Our first scripture reading for today comes from the Old Testament, from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. It is page 735 in your pew Bibles. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. A covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. Since the beginning of September, we've been making our way through Luke's gospel story by story and, and miracle by miracle. And uh, as I've mentioned, Luke is attempting to present Jesus to us. Uh, he is uh, introducing us to Jesus. The gospel writers used to be referred to as evangelists, uh, and uh, I think there was something good about that. We've lost something by not referring to them that way anymore. They are uh, attempting to get us to respond uh, to this man Jesus, to the work he did, uh, to the words he spoke, to the um, miracles he performed. And today we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter 18, and what is unusual about this story, it's a, it's a parable, what's unusual about this story is that Jesus tells us at the very beginning what it's going to be about. And uh, typically that's not the best way to uh, begin a story. Uh, you, you should leave the suspense un, un, until the end. But uh, perhaps uh, Jesus doesn't want there to be any misunderstanding about this. He tells us in the first sentence what this is about. So let's listen together for God's word to us, Luke 18 beginning with the very first verse. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain village or city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, this is an odd and troubling time in our world, don't you think? 
the last year has felt to me both odd and troubling, sometimes deeply disturbing. Uh, I led devotions for the elders last week at our October council meeting, and I confess to them that right now uh, I find myself uh, discouraged and, and uh, faltering in a spiritual way. Uh, I find it difficult some days to keep going and to uh, maintain optimism about the future, uh, even to imagine a future. On Tuesday night, I mentioned as an example the presidential election in the U.S., and I said to them that I find it deeply discouraging and, and occasionally depressing. Uh, I find that I am embarrassed when people meet me on the train and find out that I am an American. They uh, almost always say, well, do you think that Donald Trump has a chance? And but the presidential election in the U.S. is not the only troubling situation in the world. Uh, every day, it seems, more bad news comes out of Syria. The city of Aleppo, once the largest city in, in that country, uh, once a city with more than two million inhabitants, is now being uh, reduced to rubble. I, I, I read that uh, there are 200,000 people, maybe more, who are trapped inside. They're unable to get food and water, and they're unable to leave. And uh, I know from a few of you who come from other countries around the world that there are situations of uh, desperation and fighting and civil war. Uh, most of you know by now, I think, that sermon preparation begins for me early in the week. I read the verses that I've chosen for the following Sunday. And, and then for several days, I, I think about them and I, I brood over them and I, I, I turn them over and over again in, in my mind. So the parable you heard today, this one about the persistent widow and the unjust judge, this, this parable has been on my mind all week long. Pray always and do not lose heart. Uh, just the word I needed to hear, right? Uh, be persistent in your prayers. Don't take no for an answer. Stay with it. And, and even when things are looking hopeless and bleak, uh, because even good-for-nothing judges like the one in, in this parable, sometimes change their minds. No situation is, is ever beyond God's power and reach. Uh, Jesus, as I say just about every week when I preach from the Gospels, that is, was a master storyteller. And the fact that we're still telling his stories 2,000 years later is a clue that he knew how to engage an audience. And he spoke about issues that we still think about, right? And issues that still matter to us. In this story or parable, Jesus sets things up almost as a caricature. I've never seen this in Zurich, by the way. It's probably too frivolous for the Swiss. But on the streets of Paris, there are caricature artists. And for a lot of money, more than I usually want to pay, uh, these caricature artists will draw a picture of you, usually with a large head and a tiny body, and uh, all of your features are exaggerated, but uh, because they like to get paid, they're not mean about it. You know, they're, they're clever and cute and, and, and so on. Anyway, the, the way Jesus tells this story comes close to being a caricature. It's exaggerated, and it's almost funny. 
Uh, Women in the first century did not go out by themselves. Uh, In in many places in the Middle East today, as you know, they do not go out by themselves. Uh, If they were unmarried in the first century, they went out only with the permission of their fathers. And if they were married, their their husbands had to be with them, and they had no rights. They were property, and and their uh, opinion had no standing in a court of law. So as a widow, the woman in the parable for today had nothing. No money, no power, no resources, no legal standing. She was so insignificant that she probably couldn't have received justice if she had found herself in front of a good judge. But this judge, I mean, he's the caricature. (laughs) Jesus says, this is wonderful, Jesus says he neither feared God nor had respect for people. And the people listening must have smiled about that. Maybe they knew judges like this. He was a wretched excuse for a human being. The sort of judge who makes a mockery of the term, your honor. So tell me this, why would he have anything to do with this widow in our story, much less give her what she was asking for? But wait, did I say the widow had nothing? Uh, I was wrong about that. As it turns out, she had something. She had one thing. She had the ability or gift, if you can call it that, to be a pest. To annoy. To be like a tiny insect that will not go away. And, And when you have only one weapon at your disposal, you use it. So she annoyed this judge constantly. She shouted for justice in his courtroom. She pounded on the door of his chambers. She left dozens of messages on his voicemail. And and I don't know what the ancient equivalent of a restraining order, do you know what that is? A restraining order would be, but the judge probably thought about getting one of those. She did everything she could with the one thing she had. And finally, you heard how the story ends, that she wore this awful judge down. And so the judge said to himself, you know, I don't care about justice. And I certainly don't care about this widow. I don't even like people, and I don't like God. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to give her what she wants just to get rid of her, to be free of this nuisance. Pray always. Do not lose heart. Persevere. Keep going. Put one foot in front of another and eventually, at long last, you will get what you want. Uh, I have a confession to make about this and I I have to say, I am a sucker for this sort of advice. Uh, I am easily seduced or taken in, whatever the right word is. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I have been wired up since I was a small child, to keep going and to keep trying no matter what. And unless I am wrong about most of you, I think most of you are the same way. You and I were raised by parents and grandparents to be strivers, (laughs) to work hard and, and to put off gratification as long as possible. I remember my first job interview and I remember being asked, well, what, what hobbies do you have? And And I said, hobbies? I've been going to school for as long as I can remember. I don't have any hobbies. My hobbies are for retired people. (laughs) 
I got the job, but I think they felt sorry for me. So. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes, to be honest with you, I, I have my doubts about how healthy that is. But it's deep within my nature, and, and I suspect that it is deep within your nature too. And, I mean, by nature, we are people who do not give up. As some of you know, I was a runner for more than 30 years, hard to believe looking at me now, and, and running, maybe you knew this, requires no athletic ability whatsoever. So if you can put one foot in front of another, you can be a runner, or at least a fast walker. So as someone without much athletic ability, running was a sport that uh, appealed to me. Uh, you don't have to be good at it, you just have to keep going. And when I trained for my first uh, Chicago Marathon, I, I read some inspiring stories to keep me going through long months of training, and one of the best stories I read uh, was about the three D's of distance running. Drive, determination, and discipline. And I remember thinking, I've got those, I can do this thing. So I'm out there on the, the streets of Chicago on a cold Sunday morning in October, not unlike uh, this morning. I'm at the 20-mile mark. This is more than uh, 32 kilometers into the race. There are still 10 kilometers to go, and I am hurting everywhere. And I am chafing in places that I did not know that uh, I could chafe. And, and every cell in my body just wants to quit. And as it turns out, there's a physiological reason for why the body feels that way. But sometimes the brain can overrule the body. And I remember thinking, I've trained for this the last six months, and I am not going to walk the rest of the way. I am going to cross the finish line running. And I did, and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> and, and, and people may have had to turn away because of how uh, ugly this was. And, and Susan was there uh, to meet me and to drive me home, and I laid in the back seat moaning on the way home. So here's my question, was that a good idea? Is persistence always something to admire? I think the correct answer to that question is actually no. Sometimes it's better to give up, and it may surprise you to hear me say that. But sometimes for the sake of your health, or your marriage, or your work, it's better to stop what you're doing. Th think of it this way. Not every cause is worth dying for. N not every injustice in life has to be addressed. Not every uh, slight that you have experienced needs to be avenged. Sometimes it's okay to let it go and to get on with your life and to live. It was Jesus who said earlier in the same gospel, by the way, uh, uh, if anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. Right? You don't have to make every wrong right. You don't have to fight every minute of your life for truth and justice. No, you don't. And sometimes it comes as good news to be told that you can let it go. Do you know the old expression, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again? It was the British writer uh, William Edward Hickson who first wrote that. Well, this week I found a, uh, another way to say that, a variation on that line. If, if at first you don't succeed, then redefine success. <laughs> I, I don't know if I believe that, but I do believe strongly 
And years have taught me this, that there are times when persistence is not an admirable quality. So, okay, if it's true that not every cause is worth dying for, then what is Jesus saying to us here in chapter 18? What does it mean, pray always and do not lose heart? Uh, Think about Jesus' parable in this way. The disciples were having problems with prayer and and with what it meant to have a relationship with God. Uh, I I don't think I saw this before, but but there is a theme that Jesus comes back to again and again in in this gospel. Luke's gospel is very much concerned with, 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 with how we pray. Lord, the disciples say at one point, this was just a a few chapters earlier, teach us to pray, teach us to to pray the way you pray. Because we often feel as though we're not getting it right. So here in chapter 18, Jesus is continuing this theme about prayer and, and about how to have a relationship with God and how to be a person of faith, not just on Sunday, but for the rest of the week. We often think we're the first people ever to be discouraged. We assume we're the first to wonder if our prayers amount to anything and if they do any good and if if God even hears us. But as it turns out, the disciples were asking all of the same questions that we ask. When we pray, we wonder if we're just talking to ourselves. We worry that in the end, it, it doesn't add up to anything. And frankly, the temptation is to lose heart. And I mean, if it doesn't do any good, then then why bother? Over the years, I've I've prayed lots of Pastoral prayers during worship, I've lost count now of the number at at IPC, the elders pray, which I like very much. But for a long time, that was my job, and so I would do that on behalf of my congregation. And thinking back, I think I prayed for peace uh, every week. It was a regular theme of mine, and I don't know, but maybe it's because there has been so much war during my adult life. Uh, Whatever it was, on Sunday mornings, it seemed important to me to pray for peace wherever there is conflict, wherever there are ancient hatreds, and so on. And and a a few years ago, this was a troubling moment in my life spiritually. I remember thinking, why am I doing this? I pray and pray and pray for peace and nothing ever happens. War never seems to end. In fact, maybe I'm being counterproductive. The more I pray for peace, the more war there seems to be. Over the years, I've also prayed that hungry people might be fed and that the grieving might be comforted and tell me, what do I have to show for it? War is still with us and so are the hungry and I meet more grieving people every day. I get discouraged and frankly, there are days when I feel like quitting. And then I read these verses like the ones I just read for you, pray always, do not lose heart, and then I think maybe my prayer life needs a little of that same drive and determination and discipline that I manage to find in other areas of my life. Maybe I need to find a little of that persistence that I have demonstrated for school and career and family. Maybe prayer is supposed to be hard. Training for a marathon takes six months or so, but that's nothing. That's nothing compared to a lifetime of prayer. Maybe I'm just getting warmed up. Maybe my best, most effective years of prayer are still ahead of me. Maybe the the 70s and 80s are the time in my life when I'm going to get really good at it. I read a wonderful story last week about Mother Teresa, who was recently made a saint by the Catholic Church. Mother Teresa 
according to the story, went to see a wealthy American trial lawyer one day to ask for money for her AIDS project. And uh, before she arrived, according to the story, the lawyer said to his partner, you know, AIDS is not my favorite cause. I, I, I don't really want to make a contribution, but I've got this Catholic saint coming to see me, and I don't know what to do. So the, the two lawyers agreed that they would be polite and that they would hear her story, and then they would say no. So Mother Teresa arrived, and as uh, many of you know, she's no bigger than a sparrow. And so she sat on the other side of this lawyer's enormous mahogany desk, and, and she made her appeal for the hospice. And, and when she was finished, the lawyer said, well, we're deeply touched by your appeal, and it's a great honor to meet you, of course, but the answer is no. And Mother Teresa, as if anticipating that response, said, let us pray. And, and the lawyers looked at each other, uh, uh, because this was not what they were expecting, but both of them bowed their heads, and after the prayer, Mother Teresa proceeded to make the same pitch. I mean, she had memorized the script, and so she went right back and used the same words, and, and when she was finished, the, the lawyer once again referred to his script and said, we're deeply touched by your appeal, and of course, it's a great honor to meet you, but the answer is no. So Mother Teresa again said, let us pray. And she bowed her head for the second time, and at this point, the lawyer, as you might expect, was exasperated, and he said, how much do you need? <laughs> do you know something? I think that is a little closer to what Jesus has in mind for us today. In other words, that we bang our fists on the door of heaven with our prayers, that we hang on and do not let go until we leave with what we have come for. We may be tiny and insignificant in the worldwide scheme of things. We may not count for much in the eyes of other people. We may appear to have nothing at all, but we have at least one thing. The story says if a poor widow, with no standing at all, can finally wrangle justice out of a judge who hasn't a shred of decency, how much more will you God's own child, someone God formed in the womb, someone God has known from the beginning, how much more will you find a God who will hear you and answer your prayer? Pray always and do not lose heart. Will you pray with me? Let us pray. Lord, when we become discouraged and despondent and feel depressed over what seem like prayers that go nowhere, we pray that you will remind us of your love for us and your determination for justice in this world. We pray that you will remind us that you are a good God, that you do listen to us and that you do hear our prayers and that you do respond to us. Help us to find the determination and the persistence to pray like the widow in this story. Help us to become the people you have in mind for us to be. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.